we, we actually enable the customers to get their data out of Amazon for free. We will pay for them to get their data out. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Great Things with Great Tech, the podcast highlighting companies doing great things with great technology. My name is Anthony Spiteri and in this episode we're talking to a company that without question has disrupted the storage market, catering to individuals and corporate data needs with an unwavering commitment to security, affordability and unmatched performance, all while being importantly very transparent and outwardly honest. That company is Backblaze, and I'm joined by Gleb Budman, the CEO and co-founder of Backblaze. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony. Good to be on with you. Excellent. So just before we talk about all things storage and data and, and disruption of a market that is so huge in this, in this landscape of IT, just want to give a shout out to the show. If you love great things with great tech and would like to feature in future episodes, you can click on the link on the show notes or go to jtwgt.com. As a reminder, you can keep up with all of our episodes on all major podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever you like, um, all hosted and distributed by Spotify Podcasts. As a reminder, head to that YouTube channel. You can see all of the previous 71 episodes on that YouTube channel as well. Hit the like and subscribe and go from there. All right, with that, Gleb, let's talk a little bit about Backblade. Let's talk a lot about it, actually, not a little bit. We want to talk a lot about it. But firstly, I'm just interested in your background because you know Backblaze was founded in 2007. But before that, you worked for some companies that I think some of my listeners would actually know. So give a little bit of background yourself and lead up into that founding of Backblaze. Sure. So I've been doing some kind of tech, some kind of entrepreneurship since as long as I can remember. I think when I was five, my parents talked about how I wanted to disassemble their camera that they had and just poke at it. So um, been been interested in technology my whole life, been interested in entrepreneurship my whole life. Uh, I worked on starting a company in, in the late 90s and then joined a couple other people who were working on something similar. Um, th- that company was in the search and a little bit of early AI space. Uh, that company uh, got acquired by Excited Home, um, which was a uh, competitor to Yahoo and Google later. Um, okay. And so we did that, um, worked there until, uh, and then left. And we worked on another company uh, called Mail Frontier that did email security, um, okay. and anti-spam, antivirus, anti-phishing. Wow. With, that company got acquired by SonicWall, um, which does security uh, for small, medium businesses. And then we left there and started Backblaze. Wow. So, yeah, so you've talked about, I mean, most people would know about SonicWall, right? In terms of a company, especially if you're working in that IT space in the early 2000s, everyone knew about SonicWall. So that's quite interesting. It's interesting as well that you ha- you started with a, well, a mail filtering and, and anti-spam and security company as well, because I know my background is like I say almost every show is in hosting and service providers and you know I was right in the weeds of leveraging a service when we had our mail server what do we front it with we front it with a mail service that screens and protects it so kind of similar service right and getting acquired by SonicWall so you you then said that you started um, Backblaze in 2007 so interestingly enough when I did my research here you seem to have the the longest list of co-founders of any company that I've I've definitely had on the show um, that, that I've seen in industry right so just explain how how I'm on how that came to be, 
And number, oh, there's three questions to this actually. Number one, how it came to be. Number two, you know, how, how what you did to actually make that happen. Because um, I know that you guys basically took a lot of risk in, in stopping what you were doing, maybe not getting paid for a year or whatever it might be and, and do this. And then how does that work moving forward? Because that's a lot of co-founders to deal with within a company. Yeah, so the so I was very lucky. Uh, I uh, when I worked on the company that I met up with in '99, uh, I met uh, two people at that company. Uh, one was Brian Wilson, who was a, a technologist, and one was Casey Jones, who was a, a designer. And both of them were excellent at their crafts. And when our company was acquired by Excite. I met two more people there. Um, one was Tim Newfire, um, who was also a technologist, and, and Billy Ng, who was also um, one of the architects there. And um, all of us then went on to work on building Mail Frontier. And all of us worked at SonicWall when Mail Frontier was acquired. And so when uh, we were starting to work on Backblaze, we basically brought the band together again. And um, what I'll say is, um, the way that Backboys got started was actually um, my then co-founder, Brian, uh, did IT for friends and family the way that many of us do. Yep. And it's why I don't, it's, it's also, also as a side note, it's why I don't do it now, but that's, uh, we all dabbled in that when we were a bit younger, right? It, it's impressive that you've been able to yank yourself out of it because oh, uh, I feel in like- my, In my I, contract. In, in your contract, I feel like uh, uh, the the contract with uh, friends and family and others um, uh, is uh, that social contract is hard to break. <laughs> um, so so he did it for just friends and family. Obviously, you know, no payments involved. But um, and one of his friends uh, had a computer crash, and she called him up in a panic and said, "You've got to help me. My my you know my computer crash. Help me out." And he said, "No problem." We'll get you set up. I'll get you a new laptop. I'll get your applications installed. Where is your backup? And she starts pounding the table and says, look, what I don't need now is a lecture. What I need <laughs> is for you to get me my stuff back. And he's like, uh, how is that possible? What do you mean? You don't have a backup? And uh, he's like, I can't help you if you don't have a backup. And he had always been absolutely religious about backups. And religious, I mean, to the level of um, for our co prior company, even though we had an IT department whose job it was to ensure we had backups of all the servers, he would burn a CD and burn a DVD wow. of the source every week, stick it in an envelope and mail it to his brother in a different state, and then do the same thing and stick them in his own closet. And he did that every week the whole time. And it, it turned out... Um, when the company got acquired, we had uh, some of the systems were raid, uh, were protected by raid, and one of the IT people pulled the wrong drive out when Happens. when one of the drives died, and um, blew away the raid array, and ended up losing the data, and we had to recover from Brian's personal collection of CDs and DVDs. So wow. he was religious about it, um, and so we just started talking about that and saying, okay, this is 2007. Everything is going digital. Everyone's getting laptops. Everything's uh, going to be um, digital. And, and if no one's backing up their data, it's all going to vaporize. And so we just started talking about that and then saying, this is a problem that should get fixed. And so he had quit SonicWall and then I quit, Billy, uh, and then Tim joined and Casey uh, joined and, and all five of us got together to work on that problem. Yeah. 
that's that's awesome because that's that's number one. I think that's one of the coolest uh, three, two, one rule of backups that I've heard in terms of you know burning to a CD, burning to another CD, and storing in different locations. And it was actually used. But I think the main thing there is that the the the, the spark for the company was started by a necessity or and and something where you know there was a hole. Like how do how do these people that just have laptops and whatnot that aren't part of corporate IT that are thinking this way? And even back then, backup wasn't even really front of mind like it is today. Um, you know, how do we protect and help these people? So that's that's quite interesting there. So what was the original idea of the like? How did you go and say, okay, well we're going to go and start Backblaze? But when you when you sat down and had that first sort of discussion about a company like this, what what did it look like? What what, what were you trying? Because at the same time, um, like you said, IT was evolving. We definitely had AWS and public clouds coming up with public cloud storage with S3, which you know was a roughly around the same time. So it's pretty um, interesting that you go, well, you know what? I see Amazon. And maybe it, that back then, the, 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 they were still pretty big and the juggernaut was there. But maybe they weren't as big as today. But you said, we're going to go and do this because we feel that we can fill a hole. So what was the original idea behind the company and how you'd actually take that problem and make it into an actual company with services? Yeah, so, so you know, to, today we compete with Amazon at one fifth of their price point, and we have large scale, and we have lots of customers. Um, but it didn't start there. Um, we, when we were starting, we were looking to solve actually the laptop desktop backup problem, yep. and that that came from this specific uh, situation that Brian ran into. And what we what we said was there are solutions out there, right? There are computer backup solutions out there. But for some reason, what we found when we asked around, they weren't being used. Very few people used all of those services, and most people were just losing data left and right. And so we said, what is the issue? And what we found was that there were two problems. One problem was every single one of those solutions asked the uh, the person, hey, what do you want to back up? Tell us which files, which folders do you want to back up? And the other was they said, we'll charge you per gigabyte. And at the time, especially focused on consumers, what we realized was consumers have no idea where their files and folders are, and they didn't know what a gigabyte was. And so that approach was just way too complicated. And so we came up with this idea where we flipped it upside down. We said, we're going to back up everything on your computer if it's not explicitly excluded we're going to back it up it doesn't matter where the files are where the folder are. you don't have to know anything the entire experience that we wanted was that you pick an email address and a password you click download that's it you're done you're safe and you can sleep peacefully at night that's what we wanted to build yeah and when we started thinking about that our plan was actually to not compete with Amazon at the time, but to use Amazon. We were going to use Amazon S3 as the underlying storage for our computer backup service. And then we did the math and said, well, that's interesting. I think we're going to lose money on every customer. Yeah, not the best, not the best business sort of scenario when you're looking at profitability and and a return, right? (laughs) Not the best business structure. And so we said, you know, it's, it's weird, because if you look at a hard drive, the hard drive itself is not that expensive, but Amazon was very, very expensive. And we said some way there's got to be to attach hard drives to the internet. And if we could figure out how to do that, there might be a way of making this cost efficient. 
And so we actually started by trying to attach hard drives to a whole bunch of USB hubs okay. you know, and daisy chaining uh, hard drives off of one server to a bunch of USB hubs. Turns out doesn't work uh, at scale. <laughs> Um, we tried, um, you know, Firewire. We tried a variety of different solutions. We finally came up with a a hack that would work, where we took a, a variety of direct attached storage devices and attached nine of them to one motherboard, and that worked. Um, but it was very clunky and clumsy, yeah. and so yeah. we ended up designing a plywood server, like a little I plywood box server. And we deployed that in a data center in San Francisco and tested it and it worked. And so then we- And they let you put the plywood in a data center? You know, let. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, we, so then we, this, we got a company that would cut us sheet metal in, in, in units of one and they cut us the shape that we needed that was basically this plywood box, but with uh, for the hard drives. And we we ended up uh, having it and we called it furniture. It was furniture for the hard drives. Um, we didn't want to expect anything from the hardware. And we basically set down this path of designing and building our own storage cloud. And the only reason for that, again, it wasn't to compete with Amazon. It was because we needed storage that was efficient and affordable uh, and durable for our computer backup service, which at that point was a consumer computer backup uh, cloud service. Um, and that's where we started. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that, I mean, and that was servicing, you know, literally like Macs and Windows desktops effectively, right? And Macs so, and Windows. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I guess when you're talking about the concept of, or the theory of backing up everything, then, and exclusions can come into play. But if you're thinking about everything and making it easy, people almost don't want to exclude because they feel they don't have to, which means they're going to pump up stuff that they don't necessarily need to back up, but they're backing up anyway, which in effect means that you need to back up more, more storage, more data. And I think that's yeah. part of the, the problem that you were trying to solve there. So you have got a very distinct design and um, you know, we, uh, people that know Backblaze know the, the, red, the fire red, it's, it's, it's a beautiful red color that you guys have on your bezel. And I, I guess this was the first foray into what was the storage pod architecture at the time to be able to build this out. So how, what did that, you've, you've, got the sh you've got the plywood and the sheet metal and then effectively these storage pods effectively become like a bank of, of, of I guess, chassis with a lot of drives in them connected to a motherboard. There's got to be some software or whatever that sits on top of it to manage it. Did you, did you use off the shelf stuff or did you guys design your own sort of management software to be able to handle the, the storage and the redundancy and the resiliency and whatnot? We wrote it all basically from scratch. I mean, we, we had Linux, so yep. there was definitely some things that were, um, that we were built on, but we, we literally built the entire file system, the, the, this internet scale file system from scratch. So we built all the erasure coding, the durability, the redundancy, the performance, the availability, all of that code is our code. Um, it's, you know, it's millions of lines of, of code that's now been written over 15 years um, yeah. to do that. But we, we ended up, we had to build all of that. And, you know, the, you know, you, you talk about the, the, you know, the, the evolution of the pods um, and the whole idea with the pods for us was it, we wanted hardware that would just 
have these hard drives and no one was selling hardware um, that was inexpensive. So we looked at Dell and we looked at EMC and we looked at NetApp and all of those systems were 10 times the price of the storage for the hard drives. And so we said, we can write all of that in software. So if you if we can do all that in software, all the performance, all the durability, all the availability, all we need is furniture for the hard drives. And so the pods were that. And um, like you said, we we ended up making them this, this uh, backblaze red. Um, and so we have these photos of just rows and rows and racks of, of backblaze red pods, um, which is which is fun and makes for fun imagery. Um, yeah. And we had we had interesting um, we, we you know we open sourced that hardware design. So in in two thousand nine we actually wrote a blog post called Petabytes on a Budget. Wow! And it was all about um, here's what we've designed. We've designed this server, and it's really inexpensive if you want to store a whole bunch of data. Um, and we will open source the hardware, not the software. The software is all of our secret sauce. It's yeah, this yeah, 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 yeah. scale um, file system. But um, but we open sourced that. And it was it was a really uh, eye-opening moment for us because I, I, as one of the co-founders, I started blogging for us when we started. I just started writing about storage and about backup and whatever I could find that was interesting. And maybe four or five people would read my blog posts um, two of them would probably relatives of mine. Yeah, I'm sure more, but yeah, but I, I know I know you feel. Sometimes when you write this stuff, you, you don't know who's reading it. But yeah, I, I get that understanding. But it was out there. You were creating content, and it was good content. Thank you. And it, and it was, but you know, it, was, it wasn't. You know, there wasn't anyone in mass reading it. And then we published this one blog post about the storage pod, and a million people read that one blog post. Um, it, it went absolutely viral it was, it, and um, it really kind of opened our eyes. We said, how many people are going to actually care about a big storage server? And uh, it turned out a lot. And so um, we had all kinds of inbound interest of um, Netflix reached out to us and wanted to understand how we did it so that because they wanted wow. to do, do a caching um, uh, server for all of their um, yeah. video footage. We had the Internet Archive uh, reach out to us and talk to us about how, how we did that because they were looking for um, newer ways to store uh, all of that data. And just there's a lot of interesting conversations that that spurred. Yeah, I, I think at that time as well, if I think about my career at that point when I was you know very much full into you know, platform design architecture, trying to work out how to spend some money efficiently, but also mean that we had efficiency on the other end with storage, it was always it was always a problem and you know going with the the major vendors of the day was was okay and they offered a certain amount of security and when i say security in terms of you you knew what you were getting but you also knew that you were potentially getting performance issues at certain amounts of data or a, a write controller might fail or you know then in, in some cases you know you want to be in, in a couple of racks but some solutions will be over 20 racks right so there was all these permutations that you, you, if you didn't want to go on, off on a limb and do what you guys did and try and solve the problem of, you know, big scale storage at, in an efficient way, you just kind of had to sit with the incumbents. And, and a lot of people struggled with that. And I know that we, we, when I was in a particular role, looked to try and do something differently. And we, we did, but we didn't do it as um, open as what you guys are doing it. And it failed miserably because we got sold down a river and the architecture didn't work and it all caused all sorts of problems. So I think during that time period, there were a lot of organizations, a lot of service companies, a lot of service providers looking to try and solve this problem of scale and data because it was just starting 
to explode. It was just starting to get to a point where, you know, all of a sudden a VM or a virtual machine wasn't consuming 10 gigs, it was consuming 100. And now if you think about that today, it's, that's a, a 10x or 1,000x what it, what it was then, right? So it's even more incredible today. But I think that's what's really interesting about you guys, that you went, went out on a limb initially and did this. And you've, you're very committed to this uh, open computer as an open cloud project as well, which sounds to me like that's in your particular DNA as well. It, it is. I mean, I think it's one of the things that we, from the early days, we said that, the, you know, the internet is a, is a big place and this is a big opportunity. To, and we're not going to do everything for everybody, but we can help a lot of people in a lot of ways. So early on, um, one of the ways that we helped was we open sourced this design and said, whoever wants to use it, here's here's a design you can use. And we certainly felt like we had were standing on the shoulders of giants we were we, we got to use linux and we got to use ssl and we got to use all, all these things that other people and other companies and other organizations had built many of which they, then they shared in open source and so we wanted to give back some of that today one of the things that we look at is open cloud in a in a in a way of the cloud has shifted um and it used to be that for many many years Amazon was the cloud. Yeah. And everybody, and it started off being just, okay, they have storage, maybe they have compute. Um, and then the Amazon started having this service, this service, this service, this service. Now they have 200 services that they offer you. And for a while, that was just, everybody considered that the default path. And, uh, and in fact, Amazon uh, at some point even said, you're not allowed to use the term multi-cloud because we are oh, yeah, the cloud. Yes, that's right? it. It still happens today. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and so they're trying to make you believe that there is no other choice. But certainly there's, in addition to Amazon, there's obviously Google and there's Azure and there's Oracle. But then increasingly, companies also want these specialized clouds. They want these best of breed services. Um, you see that with... Uh, Stripe for billing or Twilio for communications. Um, you have Fastly and Cloudflare and others for, for networking. You have these mm. different companies that are focusing on a particular part of the tech stack and trying to provide a lot of value in that part of it. And, and so for Backblaze, we are doing that with storage. And we believe that storage is this foundational part of the tech stack. And if you do it really well, um, it's a really important part of the tech stack, but that doesn't mean we're going to just lock you in. You can only use us. The whole point is you use yeah. us for storage, maybe use Vulture or DigitalOcean or somebody for compute. Maybe you use Cloudflare or Fastly or Akamai or Bunny or somebody for, for networking. Um, you know, you use these other different providers for building up the best of breed um, cloud infrastructure that you want for your company. And that's what, what we talk about when we talk about the open cloud. It's it's not being locked into AWS's um, walled garden, and which you know they very much try to keep you in through expensive egress fees and complexity yeah. to get out and all that. Yeah, I think the egress fee is obviously something that we, I talk about often with certain, I've had a lot of um, on-premises object storage companies on the show. Certainly the egress is, is a big part of why people choose to look at them and then why they look at you. And if you can offer a similar service at one fifth the cost like you guys do, that's very, very compelling um, for, for, a, for a business, for a technologist. But I think the concept of that open cloud and where we are today, what I've started seeing is, is, is definitely a pullback from this notion of 
you know, the, the public cloud hyperscalers are the all in panacea of, 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 of the cloud. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen um, instances lately where there's been specialized clouds. Um, I've had a few on the show, like um, Sushi Cloud, Bare Metal. Um, there's lots of uh, Phoenix Snap doing Bare Metal. You, you guys actually work with um, one of our, uh, from Veeam's perspective, the company I work for, we work with a partner of ours to basically offer the storage component of an open uh, DR service of which you are the storage, you've got Phoenix Snap, and then continuity centers provide the actual software to do the business. So the best bits of the cloud today, I think, are being used for the best outcome for the customer. And that's because there's so much great technology, so much great innovation, but also choice out there and people understanding that you just don't go to AWS as a default anymore. In fact, you might actually not do that by default. You might see what options are out there and then maybe look at AWS afterwards. You know, not that I don't want to demonize them too much because they obviously do a, a great service and they're, they're an amazing organization and I love the technology and what they've pushed. But I think what they've done is they've enabled guys like you to accelerate your businesses as well, right? Yeah, and I think maybe taking, you know, the one step back. So, you know, we talked about how we started, you know, doing computer backup and building our own infrastructure because AWS was so expensive and so we had to do it. Yeah. Um, where that evolved and how what we're primarily doing today. Um, so we we then had businesses that came to us and said, I use you for my computer backup uh, for, for my home. I'm trying to figure out why I have a better backup product with you at home than I have at the office for 10 times the price. So let me use your cloud backup service in, in my business. And so we expanded to that. And then those companies came to us and said, I use you for all my laptop desktop backup, but I have all these other storage needs. I need to archive my data. I need to back up my server. I need to sync my NAS. I have this application that I've built. I have all these other storage needs. You've built this amazing storage cloud. Give me access to the actual cloud. And yeah. so that then um, was our when we launched Backblaze B2. And Backblaze B2 became this um, this open API storage cloud. It's it's compatible with Amazon's S3, so it's an easy drop-in solution for anybody that's using anything um, S3. Um, it's one-fifth the price of S3. It has uh, no egress fees to partners, uh, and, and, um, and if you want to get your data out, you can get three times the amount of data out um, for free. Um, it's, it's fast, it's durable, it's just easy to use. And that's, that's, that's the focus for Backblaze now. It's, it's really leaning into helping customers with that storage need. Um, and like you said, we partner with Phoenix and we partner with, um, with Veeam um, and, and others to solve specific customer uh, needs. And I think, you know, those are, there some, there's some of the great kind of ways that that happens, right? So, um, you know, with Veeam, um, you know, Veeam provides a great service for customers to do backups and ransomware protection. Um, and that data needs to go somewhere. And it's as easy as copy your Backblaze B2 credentials, throw them into the Veeam console, and all of that data um, uh, is in our cloud, safe and protected um, using the Veeam uh, software. Um, same with uh, a lot of our other partners. So Synology and QNAP, um, our common partners, they, they do a, we do a lot of um, business where we help customers that have Synology and QNAP uh, systems on premises, and they need that data synced or backed up um, to the cloud. Again, copy paste uh, into those things. Uh, you know, it, it just works. Yeah, and really I think that's the key, right? It was it was 
it was such a hard thing to actually do in the early days. Um, you know, I think so. B two cloud storage, I think, was introduced in about two thousand and fifteen. Before that, it was actually pretty difficult to the concept of just getting your data up somewhere. As crazy as that sounds today, it wasn't simple because you needed certain things in place. You said it needed protocols, needed networking. It wasn't just what we have today. So I think, you know, you hit the sweet spot in terms of timing to be able to get that service up and running. So I guess from that point of view, I mean, when you had the, the cloud backup, you got Backblaze now running in 2015. So at that stage, I know at the moment you run about five data centers globally. Um, you've got some in the US, Amsterdam, um, high amount of durability as well. So your nines, uh, they're quite huge, right? And I want to obviously talk about the openness as well. And the fact that you guys do give back to the industry as a whole with regards to your, your data on the disks and the drives that you actually use. And you give durability data. Is it, is it an annual thing that you do based on that? So quarterly. Well, oh, well, quarterly. We, okay, even better. Yeah. So, so years ago, one of the things that happened was people started saying, hey, Backblaze, you have a lot of hard drives. Tell me which ones I should buy. And, um, and so we obviously keep a lot of statistics and do a lot of analysis on, on all the drives. And we have hundreds of thousands of hard drives now. Yep. And so what we started doing, and we've been doing this for years and years now, is publishing a quarterly analysis of all of the drives in our environment um, and by make, model, size, age, and slicing and dicing that data and sharing it um, out. And, and so if you go to backblaze.com and, and go to the blog, we, we, um, we have a section or go to the about us page. There's a section there um, for the drive stats. We, we have all of the data, all of the resources. You can even download information. And um, we've been doing that consistently. And, and that is, it's something that's very powerful and, uh, for lots of customers. Interestingly, when we did it, we thought, um, one, we may have the drive manufacturers come, come to us and try to convince us to stop doing that. Yep. Um, too honest, actually, too open, yep. They, too, too honest, too open. But they've actually really leaned in with us and been great partners. And, and uh, a lot of what they want is they actually want us using their hard drives because one of the things that we hear is that um, their customers are wait for our reports to wow. decide which drives to buy because they want to see what the what the data shows and so the the and so we have we've been trying to be open with that and sharing a lot of data and you know now um, we have over three exabytes of data that we store for customers. i was gonna ask that was my next question how much are you storing now yeah, we have about three exabytes. Um, so it's a it's one of the largest clouds on the planet. Um, we, we store over five hundred billion files for customers. Um, so it's it's large scale and and it's a lot of data. And we and so we do we share the, that information out. Um, so yeah, so we you know we try to be open, we try to be transparent, and you know we we do that about a variety of things. One of the other things that we've started talking more about is. Um, we actually mostly bootstrapped Backblaze. Um, we started, you, you mentioned, you know, going for a year without salary. The five of us that started the company, we quit our jobs and committed to each other for one year without salary. And that was the initial quote unquote funding round. Um, yeah. The two prior companies were, that we did were both traditional venture funded. We raised rounds, we they were acquired. This one we decided to differently. And we said, let's try and make this work by just focusing on product, customers, 
culture, not going out and raising funding at, on day one. So we, we bootstrapped the company. We went for about a year and a half with zero salary. We went for almost another year at minimum wage and then almost another more year at two times minimum wage. So it was a very long slog yeah. burning through all of our savings. But it was because we said, like, we really believe this. This makes sense. Like, there's this huge opportunity both to build something exciting and to help. So we did that for a long, long time. For for 15 years, we raised less than $3 million. Which is crazy. Company. Crazy. Which is crazy for any any startup, but especially for one that's as capital intensive as a storage cloud company, yes. right? Yeah. And and then we took it public on the Nasdaq in a traditional IPO, not not a SPAC. Um, we took it public in 2021, raised about a hundred million dollars, um, got to fly out to New York and um, push the button and do the whole I thing. And, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. It was very exciting and. Um, and so one of the things that we've started talking about is what does that journey look like? And if you're building a company that is 10, 20, 50 million dollars in revenue, and you're thinking maybe at some point I want to take this company public, we're trying to also lay out that uh, trajectory for awesome. uh, for companies as well. Yeah, that's, that's really that's really good. So yeah, just help, just continue to feed back and help. That's, that's awesome. O open honesty. Hey, we've only got about five minutes say left. I really wanted to touch just quickly on, you know, where the, where, where the state of data is today, because obviously you, you pump a lot in, you know, in terms into your cloud and obviously ransomware, the, the threat of cyber has, has really raised the, the, the understanding that you need to back up your data, but you need to put it into some place that's really safe. You know, you guys just released an immutability feature. That's great with a lot of the backup vendors as well, because immutability ensures that, you know, the, the data is not only there, but it's secure when it's there, when it rests. Um, what, where do you see the industry today versus where it was, you know, maybe pre-pandemic, you know, 2019-ish. And then where are you seeing it going with regards to not only, I guess, ransomware, but just in general? Yeah, so, you know, certainly, I mean, one of the things that was happening before and happened during and is happening after is this massive move to the cloud. Um, and so, you know, there's there's just an explosion of data and a, and a lot of that data is just heading to the cloud. So that's that's um, that was happening before and it's still happening now. COVID, in many ways, the pandemic um, accelerated some of that because it opened the Pandora's box. So many people started working from home, working remotely. A lot of what we help customers with is actually we help customers certainly with IT use cases like backup and archive and ransomware protection. And a lot of them had servers that were on premises. And then they said, but my, you know, our IT people don't necessarily want to be going into the office. They're not supposed to be there. Um, and so they started looking at how can we move some of that data offsite um, and into the cloud. Um, a lot of the people that were uh, there had backups that were local to those systems, but the employees weren't in the office anymore. So the, the, the backups had to be remote as well. So then they're like, why are we trying to get the backups into the office when the employees aren't there? So a lot of that um, happened that way. Clearly, ransomware and everything else is still a, a big issue. We, we help with object lock, the mutability feature like we talked about. Yeah. Um, there's there's some increasing focus on disaster recovery type of, of scenarios. So it's not only about backup, it's how do you get up and running. And so yeah. we work with partners like Veeam and Phoenix Snap and others, uh, continuity centers where we've helped um, work together where we are the storage cloud and, and they provide parts of either the software or the compute infrastructure. We've, we've done a uh, an offering where you can spin up a uh, Veeam Restore in the cloud 
Um, so you don't have to have the infrastructure on premises if uh, if you don't have it, if you have a disaster. And we've done that with um, with Phoenix and AppBeam and us. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a great solution for customers. The, the other thing is just application developers. Yes. And I think application developers early, early on, um, some of the application developers got onto AWS because they tend to be the ones that are forward leaning, forward thinking. They're they're a little bit on the cutting edge and early bit dangerous. On, yeah, they're a bit dangerous. <laughs> they may be a little bit dangerous, but they're trying to figure it out and trying to get the best possible choices. And they started on AWS, but increasingly AWS has gotten very complicated, focused on the largest enterprises, on the federal government. And they're leaving behind this large base of application developers that are still innovating and moving fast and trying to do, get best of breed services. And so we have been increasingly leaning in to help them. And part of that is by providing them you know, amazingly good storage at one fifth the price that's really fast and durable. But some of that is also about supporting this open cloud ecosystem. Yeah. And so that's one of the trends that we see is that um, the application developers are kind of looking up and going, you know, what what's what I was using before is now feels like this kind of older, stodgy, locked in um, situation. And I want to break out. I want to break free and I want to go use the best of breed offerings. And whether that's for AI use cases, so I need to use those GPUs that only that company has over there, whether that's um, other compute, whether that's networking, all the different things. And so we want to be that foundational storage platform where customer can can store their data and send it to the 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 company that has the latest GPUs for for their AI analysis. Yeah, yeah, I get send it, yeah, it to awesome. the network that has the best um, delivery. Use it in the way that they see free. And so we we actually enable the customers to get their data out of Amazon for free. We will pay for them to get their data out. Um, if uh, if they keep their data with us for a year, so we've helped oh, okay. many customers do that. So that's 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 a special. That's an offering that you guys have. Awesome. So I will definitely link to that in the show notes. In fact, I'll, I'll link to a, a lot of what you guys are doing in the show notes. I think it's so good. And I, I really like. I love. I I feel the passion that you have for this space and why Backblaze exists. It's not there just to just to. It's not just a, a soulless company in my in my mind. I can see it. This conversation hopefully has showing that to the people listening as well. And it's a great alternative that you've got to think about because again, the options, the openness of it mean that you can use it in different ways and you can be more efficient. So, hey, that's that's really amazing. Like I said at the start in our pre-chat, we could talk a long time and, you know, maybe in, a, in a few, maybe in some other time, we'll extend the conversation out in some different way, but it's been really good. I think um, Backblaze is a great company, really understanding its place in the market and knowing its strengths and, what it can do. And I think that's why you've been so successful. That's why you've built this amazing cloud. You've got these great products. It's, at its core, it's, it's pretty simple in terms of you know what you guys do, but it's become an amazing name in the industry. So really thank you for being on and giving the um, listeners an insight into you know where you guys came from and where you're going. So thanks, Gleb, for that. All right, just to wrap it up, as a reminder, if you like great things with great tech and would like to feature in future episodes, please click on the link on the show notes. Go to gtwgt.com and catch up on all episodes. This has been episode 72 of Great Things with Great Tech. Thanks, Gleb. Thanks, Backblaze. And we'll see you next time on Great Things with Great Tech.